Well, I think we have a forum. Um, so we're missing Ron. I know he was planning to join um, online, and so was Mary. Um, so maybe let's just keep an eye out for any emails that you see from them, just in case they're having trouble logging in. But I think let's go ahead and call the meeting to order. Um, so thank you, everybody, for making time for this. I'm really delighted to see you again. Um, so today we have a, a pretty packed agenda, and um, uh, there's three things that I think we need to make decisions on. Um, so confirming um, co-chair and secretary, um, voting to approve the meeting minutes from last time, and uh, uh, discussing and, and perhaps voting on a process for distributing and improving meeting minutes in the future. So those are the only three things we need to make decisions on the evening. Otherwise, we have two presentations and we'll be having some discussion. Um, are there any items that are not on the agenda that people feel that we need to discuss this evening? Just one that is the future agenda items that would be available to the group and appropriate standard categories for maybe additional items, things that come up yes. after the posting of the agenda that we might bring to the table with information mm -hmm. uh, that would be going on or opportunities. So, so as long as it's not just a decision or a vote, you can be accessible like that. That's a great suggestion. Thank you. Yeah. Um, could I also just make a suggestion also that um, maybe have everything posted by Friday prior to the meeting? Um, we do that. Okay. okay. And then because of the emails. Yeah. In. So um, I don't always check my emails. Um, email, so anything that comes in on Friday, but I probably am not going to really. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, everything was for that. Okay. It was supposed to be in advance of that. Yeah. The public agenda voting was closer to the deadline. Everything that we're going to discuss Yeah. And and I learned something in this process too. The the nice agenda that I sent out with times and everything is not the formal agenda. So now I know we need a, a formal agenda that follows the the typical format. Um. So anyway, we'll, we'll get all of that for Friday uh, in advance of the next meeting. Thank you for the reminder. Yeah. Um, because I think Jack sent an email on um, Tuesday. Yes. So yeah, sometimes I just don't. By Friday, I just um, the planning department has been trained. They right. have by Friday. So then something I kind of just Yeah, apologize for that. Yeah. Um, we were. First, I think first time um, complications. Um, so um, maybe we can going forward have it ready and posted by Friday. Um, yeah, the, yeah. The public, yeah, the public, yeah, the public, the formal one, um, if that's easier. Yeah, or any like whatever. As long as I'm not as concerned about the formal one, but just okay. whatever has to get reviewed. Right. Um, yes. Yeah. 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 We'll continue to do that um, and make sure it's clear. Uh, that anything comes after that won't be reviewed. Yeah, okay, thanks. Um, okay, so I would like to go around now and introduce our new member, Lisa. Have uh, you introduced yourself? And then um, if we have a moment, 
Well, we're running a little bit behind, but I would just like everybody to say their name so that Lisa knows who everybody is. So go ahead. So uh, I'm Lisa Troy. I am representing the school board. Um, I have 18 years of experience in education, teaching science, teaching climate change, but then I left education about two years ago and joined a renewable energy company that aggregates extracts. Thank you. And I'm representing the Conservation Commission. Uh, Jack Turner, Environmental Coordinator, representing the town. I'm Dr. Lesky. I'm a physician scientist in uh, environmental health. And I'm Maggie Field, and I represent the public. I'm Tracy Dyberman. Um, I'm here out of interest for climate change. Uh, Alex Hanta, you're representing Sustainable Milton and uh, the data scientists in the financial services division. Josh, you want to I am Josh Eckertley, Assistant Town Planner. Thank you, everybody, and welcome, Lisa. Um, Okay, so um, I also just did want to check how we want to like how we want to refer to each other. I know some committees are formal and go by last names and titles, and other committees like I don't know, maybe some go by first names. Does anyone have a preference about that? Go ahead, first names. I second that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, uh, that's great. Dr. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just another question. I know um, there's still a representative from the um, chamber. Yes. Um, so I know I'm part of this chamber. And so I know they're not meeting until September. Okay. So I, I'm just a little hesitant getting too deep in things until all the positions have been, um, I don't, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, I think my, my sense is what we're going to discover today is there is a lot to talk about before we do anything. There's a lot to learn and discuss. So I have a feeling that through September, we may be very busy, active, learning, talking, but not making a big binding decision. Okay. So, um, okay, so the next item is um, is confirming the co-chairs and secretary. So last at our last meeting, Alex had initially offered to be the secretary, um, and I had offered to be the co-chair, but that left us without a second co-chair. So at last meeting, we voted to uh, to have Alex and I be the co-chairs, but we didn't have a formal secretary. So um, I'm wondering if anyone is moved to offer to be the secretary or the second co-chair, but Alex has kindly offered to do both roles if there's no volunteers. So just want to check and see if there's any volunteers. That's how they generous. Thank you. And if not, I know that Alex is excited to uh, take careful minutes and get them out to out to the public. You know where to Yeah. <laughs> All right. So then um, I'm looking for a motion for because we've already elected us as co-chairs. I think the decision we need to make is about Alex being secretary. Is there a motion? So moved. Is there a second? Second. Okay, all in favor? Aye. All right, so Alex will be the secretary and also the co-chair. And we've agreed that um, in these roles, 
uh, we'll work together to prepare the agendas, but I will facilitate the meetings um, unless that changes and then we'll figure it out. Okay, um, so then the next thing is the meeting minutes. Um, these were distributed ahead of time. And um, I'm wondering if anyone has any corrections. Okay. So um, if there are no corrections, then are the minutes approved? Um, we need a motion for that. Yes. Yeah. So, I, I move to approve the minutes. <laughs> Second. All right. All in favor? <laughs> Wonderful. We're all learning how to do this. So <laughs> this is democracy in action. All right. Um, the next thing is um, Alex and I had talked a little bit um, prior to coming uh, to this committee in general about. Um, transparency for these kinds of committees and um, just making sure that we keep the public informed as to what we're doing and share the meeting minutes um, uh, in a timely way. So Alex, would you like to say anything about yeah, that? Yeah, so I, I put together some notes about what I want to propose here. Um, as I said at the last meeting, um, I think it's particularly important for uh, for, for this committee's work to be uh, easily acceptable and, and easily followed by residents of the town, especially as we start making those things. Uh, and I, I love the strive to exceed the minimum bar for how quickly we can post minutes so people can follow, follow what we're doing without having to wait um, a full month to get an update on what we discuss or you know, find time to watch the entire meeting. Um, and then the, the typical um, timeline is to uh, take a formal vote of the committee to approve minutes at the next meeting. In our case, that would be a month, at least a month later. Um, so with looking on the, uh, the math.gov guidance, Around committee public body minutes and the intention of public bodies and they choose the method for approving the minutes, including approval by the public body chair alone, by majority vote, and public body by consent of the body. So we have flexibility about how we do it. Um, and I want to propose the following sort of general process, and then I have a motion if everybody agrees uh, to the report consent of it. Um, after the meeting, uh, the, the secretary, I guess that's me, uh, produced draft minutes within five business days. Uh, I always try to do it faster, but uh, Tracy wisely asked me to do more flexibility. Uh, and then, as co chair, we review them, uh, make preliminary edits, and then circulate, uh, circulate them to the committee electronically. Um, uh, and give you all five business days for uh, corrections for objections. Um, and absence, absent those, or it will obviously incorporate any corrections, but absent any objections, uh, the code here is approved as, and that should be the, the typical outcome. But if, you know, in the presence of objections, we can wait until the next meeting to get it on the agenda to discuss, make sure that we come to agreement and prove that I guess there. Is there any uh, feedback or questions to that to some reason? It's not feasible. 
And the only thing that I think usually if there are any changes that it's nice to be done publicly. So in case anybody from the public has a comment or they can hear our discussion or um I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, are you saying if there are changes to the minutes, like the draft minutes are circulated and there's changes from that, and we'd like that to be discussed in the public? Yes. And I think that's what Alex is telling So if, if there were any. routine change, where it's a, I see that. I mean, the last time you, you mentioned the technology, or I, I took down something with my translator, I had no idea what if I wrote down it was correct, right? Uh, I wouldn't, under the process, I would have circulated my notes with a misspelling. That's not really a misspelling. I don't think that there's a compelling, that there's a compelling need for that, to be, that kind of change to be public um, versus making the materials available sooner. Um, if there's something intentions, I think you could object and say, let's, let's take this to the to the, uh, the next meeting. Not that it has to be contention, even if someone's name and address Well, it's not in, not in uh, members of the public to meet, even if we discussed it at the meeting, how, how did they hear their Yeah. Until they've actually seen the minute. So let me just back up a moment. Jimmy, are we saying that we post the draft minutes as approved by the two co chairs? And then the community finds to the between then and the next meeting with the vote of the next meeting, and then any revisions to appear at that time. I think that's a different proposal, and that, that could work too. But um, I think what Alice was saying, if I heard you correctly, was that the minutes would be circulated on the committee, approved by the committee, and then assuming there was nothing and then uh, and then it would be posted. Whereas I think what you just said, if I heard you right, it would be uh, would be posted and then approved, but so available to the public, but approved after that at the next meeting. Did I hear that right? The draft meetings. Yeah, you, you did. Yeah. Okay. So the draft meetings could go up as determined by two two co chairs. Mm -hmm. Then there would be time if you're serving people's schedules and so on that on. Mm -hmm. But you enjoyed And then final vote the next week, which we'd have to have anyhow. Mm -hmm. We'd have to have a meeting to vote on. Well, I, don't, I don't, I think if we choose otherwise, we don't have to do that. And I was going to. Were the committee to approve the minutes? You, it would have to be in a public meeting, but if we were to follow what is allowed by the state that Alex has mentioned about um, chair approval, that would not have to be at a public meeting. So basically, I was going to move to allow chair approval on the condition the meetings have been circulated and there have been five business days for the committee to provide feedback or objections. So, uh, and uh, but then the minutes would be formally approved 
Yes, uh, and posted. I'm personally comfortable with the idea of posting draft minutes. Uh, I think I just I suggested that earlier on, and, and uh, I think Josh has some concerns about the, the potential for confusion. Um, draft making draft versus approved minutes uh, accessible. I know that these things can get more complicated than you expect. Yeah, but the draft minutes, as I understood what you said, would be uh, also seen by the chair before they're posted. So you have two people looking at them. So I don't see that there's a, an issue there. And then we're moved to the next meeting. That seems very, very important. And, very opportunity. and yeah. at least uh, uh, some degree of safeguard. Uh, I, I think it's actually more than adequate safeguard that two people are are looking at them before they're posted. And you would also have the opportunity to look at them. Yeah, and then once everybody, uh, once they're posted, everybody gets a chance to look at them, including the committee. But even if you're saying the committee would see them first, or, or just the Maybe, I, maybe I'm getting confused, but I, I thought the proposal, your proposal was that uh, you would draft the minutes, to show them to the chair, and then they would be posted for. Then my proposal is that I would draft the minutes, show them first to the chair, show them to all of you, wait five business days for okay. feedback, then we would approve. Yeah. Well, not, not with a formal approval from you, but with, in the absence of objections. Maybe we post it as draft. Okay. We could, and we could post it as drafts. Right. Because they would be formally approved. So I think we have maybe a merging of two proposals, which could be a happy conclusion. So let me just see if I can summarize that. So Alex would take the minutes, he would circulate them to first to me. And then to this committee within five business days. This committee. Well, everybody simultaneously. Yeah, it could be that way. Yeah, okay. Same time as that. Yeah. Does anybody have concerns with that? I asked to remember hearing some, but I don't have any. I don't have Okay. So let me just see it through then. So Alex, take the minutes, circulate them to the entire committee within five business days. If there's no objection, they're both good at draft. Um, and then they're formally approved at the next meeting. Sure. So, so five business days are going to go to us. Five business days for us to respond and give feedback. At that point, they become draft minutes. Then the next meeting, they get officially approved. I think that is that the kind of step. the combined proposal. And I think, as you were saying, there is a flexibility for you to just make them final. Right, I don't care. I don't personally care about that too much. So whatever people would rather make final approval at the next meeting. The thing that matters to me is that they're available to the public. In this would have them available to the public in about two weeks instead of four. So two questions. One, what if someone's on vacation or they cannot respond within five days? And then two. Is it um, is it a you know, breaking the open meeting law by sending our drafts to everyone? I mean, our edits to everybody. 
because then we can't have a dialogue back. I think, I mean, the guidance on math.gov is we don't have to have a public vote to chair them approve it unilaterally if we, if we choose to work that way. So I think this is much more transparent than that. Uh, I'm, I'm not particularly worried about Again, this is in the sphere of the field that we want to trying to make our proceedings uh, transparent more quickly. So let me just circle back to your two concerns. The first concern is what if someone's on vacation or is it able to get in that time? So I think if things are posted at draft, they're not finally approved. So if someone was on vacation and then they came to the next meeting and they said, wait a minute, that's not right at all, they would still have an opportunity to fix it before they're finally approved. Yeah. Um, does that address that? Yes, yeah. Okay. And then the second piece is a concern about sending out edits to the minutes and that that might be a guess that would be about because they're not. Correct, because then that's part of our guidance discussion that should be taken in the public. In public. Mm -hmm. So even if it's a minor, like someone had changed your address, or, mm -hmm. so that is still, so if I send an edit to you saying, oh, this person actually is a little you know, 80 can't math, they live in 40 can't math, and then you replying back is actually, I think, a discussion, mm -hmm. which then is, a violation of the meeting. If it's the same topic, one step one. I think I hear what you're saying. Um, you know, can they go back from you, for example, to Alex and nobody else without constituting any violation of the other meeting? Yeah, I think, yeah, it's something that's just one. But then Alex would then. How would he get the information to you? It would be the draft. Oh, and the draft, there wouldn't be approved in the draft. Right. And then if you advise, as you suggested, yeah. at the uh, We're not allowed for the happy path where the meetings are substantively, the minutes are substantively correct. Um, they get out in some form to the public quickly. Uh, and if we want to make minor revisions and Public meeting, I think that's fine. Yeah. Right. It, so it sounds like there's a preference for posting draft minutes and still formally for the caveat, we need to make sure that anybody responding to the draft meetings would do so just to you. Mm -hmm. okay. Yes. Yes. And I think that it kind of goes along with that, that there would be no back and forth discussion yeah. or, you know. And that's what Maggie wants to report. Yeah. That's a good, good point. And I, and I think it's a great um, objective to get them out because every community has not posted anything for you. That's what I want. So it's very necessary for the legitimacy of, yeah. of this group to be yeah. better than. Yeah. yeah. And so then I was also wondering so what is the norm for, for committees that meet only once a month? Because I think the law is you have to post it within 30 days, I think. Or three meetings. Or three meetings. Oh, yeah, so we don't want to explore it. That's not very good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 If it's a Google Doc or something where you can comment on it, I mean, how does that, how is that looked at? Mm -hmm. It sounds like that would be an issue with an open meeting on. Although this meeting, the last meeting's minutes were on the SharePoint as editable. 
So you can comment on it as long as you don't respond to another committee member's comments, you know, making it deliberation. Um, meetings, committees that meet on a monthly basis approve their minutes at the next meeting, even if it's, you know, 35 days, how their sort of monthly thing breaks down. Um, and it's just 30 days is the best practice. And within 10 days of a request by a resident is what the open meeting law requires. Um, but there's, there, it's, it's not, you know, at 31 days, we're going to get sued. Um, it's just a guidance and a recommendation. So we had a good discussion on this. I wonder if there's a motion to summarize this. Uh, I can try, but Alex, do you want to try to summarize? I will. So I had a motion that involves allowing the, the chair to approve. Yeah, I think uh, we're we doing that. So I wonder if we need a motion to be posted to draft minutes early on. Yeah, and then you move from the draft. I was just going to describe it. So maybe what we're discussing is just a modification of what we would do anyway, but it's not different because the meeting minutes would still be approved at the next meeting. So this is probably good. Um, with a reminder to all of us as we comment back on the minutes not to get into a discussion about it. Um, and you can also then know what to expect in terms of when that's going to share the attractiveness. So, would it be better to have a motion saying that we will be posting draft in draft minutes? I think it seems okay. Does yeah. anyone think we need a motion? <laughs> so, the other question is yeah, if you don't post draft minutes, are you then in violation of your? I think if we had a motion where we said we wouldn't, then yeah. more of a problem. Yeah, I don't know if it's very good practice. Yes. It's total practice. It's like the vote, but it is a practice, not a policy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's Please don't make a motion on this um, for my benefit. Okay. <laughs> All right, good. Well, we, this is a good discussion. It's helpful to kind of know what the expectations are and to, you know, the goal here, I think we all share is uh, public transparency and making it possible for, say, if someone wanted to attend this meeting from the public, we want to make sure that they uh, can uh, know what we're going to be talking about, what we talked about last time. All right, so we are a little bit behind, but I think that was a worthwhile discussion. Um, we are going to next go to the staff review of the greenhouse gas inventory. Jack, are you going to be doing that, or is it Josh? Um, so we do have the preliminary numbers from that assessment. Josh, um, we might get into it. I'm just going to ask if you might be able to tighten up the time a little bit. We had allocated ten minutes, but if you can go a little faster. I have one sentence to share with the committee on this. Um, Milton's, we, we, we have the first draft of the GHG numbers. They haven't been fully technically reviewed, so it won't be submitted as, a, as an official document yet until we get that full technical review. But our initial numbers show um, a 1.2% increase in emissions from 2017 to 2022. That's just under 279,000 metric tons to uh, then 282. Um, thousand metric tons in 2017 uh, which is our base year um 46 percent of our emissions were generated by stationary sources buildings primarily and about 53 percent 
were generated by transportation with additional um, minor emissions from waste and construction. In 2022, those numbers uh, grow slightly for buildings at 46.4% of emissions from buildings, and then 51.8 um, reduced a little bit for transportation. So that's sort of what we're working on, the sort of 45 for buildings, 50 for transportation um, at, at a very general baseline. Um, we'll get harder numbers and a more complete report um, in the coming weeks following that technical review. Um, but what we've also got is the second phase of our contract with Apex, who are GHG consultants, um, are bringing in some of their communication specialists to help us um, develop some engagement materials, including um, potential logos, um, plan sort of titling and, and language, as well as iconography and color schemes. Um, we would love the committee's um, initial thoughts on what would be appropriate, as well as continued feedback as that process continues. Thank you. Thank you for the update, Josh. A question: uh, <clears throat> Is there is there a relationship uh, being developed that uh, indicates the amount of building that has gone on in in the town uh, relative to that increase in admission emissions? So that, for example, if building increased uh, uh, twice as much percentage-wise as the emissions, I think that would be very important to know. Yeah. Um, so we did calculate the change in gross square footage of both residential and commercial businesses um, in Milton in that five years. Um, that is not represented in these initial numbers in terms of like that, that relationship between uh, growth um, in residential and commercial square footage versus um, stationary building energy emissions. Um, but that's certainly a relationship that we can pull once we get the final numbers. On the same lines, have um, study been done to see if more trees or more open space in town have been um, removed? Um, I don't believe there's not a tracking mechanism to see like canopy cover in an official way. And and measure that, Maggie. Um, but I know we got some sort of basic um, extrapolative numbers in terms of development and and what that typically yields in reduction of green space. Uh, quick, quick question: Is um, residential electricity consumption included in that stationary sources bucket? Yes. Uh, yes, and um, for the municipal emissions, which um, they're doing an entire um, municipal GHG inventory as a sub element to this, um, they have specific numbers in terms of the total square footage of our municipal buildings and our municipal um, billing charts to see exactly what our um, consumption is at a municipal level. And I assume still three emissions are not. Included. Um, yeah, I think so, so yeah, no, they have scope one, two, and three emissions being calculated. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see you know, which scope three emissions, because I imagine things like my Amazon purchases, it couldn't possibly be in there because you have no data on that office. 
Of course not. Uh, two things, if I may. Uh, first, I don't know what Maggie said in besides the important metrics. Might we bring Branch Lane and Laura Beebe into the conversation about the shade trees so that we have an idea of what the threshold metric might have been uh, with the 350 initiative and then where they are now and what their plans are for the out years. So I can say that um, they do have an, a tree, a shade tree inventory, um, but only for street trees. I don't believe they have any uh, method to track um, any canopy change in private um, or any other type of land besides the street trees. I don't think there's any data on that. Is, at least from the shade tree on the street committee. So I think that would be okay. great answer. I believe that data is available um, somewhere. I know. I, I my master's was in the School of Forestry, so I know folks who worked with remote sensing data. So you can use satellite data to estimate canopy cover. So they do that with you know national forests and the like. Um, so that data is used for wildfire risk calculation, all kinds of things. The question is whether anybody is in the market to provide that data to. Small tax right now sure. for a reasonable cost. <laughs> it would certainly be helpful in your broader climate action plan in this in the scope of our inventory. I don't think um, it works with our contract. So I just like to do a time check because we're spending a little bit more time on this agenda item, and I think you all will be bringing back um, more information about this inventory once it is ready for review. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. I just had the second perspective, and I'll be very quick, and that is whether or not we're thinking about doing any forecasting on what the levels of metric tons are going to be relative to new construction in the town, 40Bs, um, Winter Valley, Memory Care Center, et cetera, and what they would be over a certain timeline. I just put that on the table without need for discussion now. That's great. Thank you. We, we do have projected scenarios out to 2050, um, but those are based off of uh, population data and our sort of history of construction, not based off of a sort of comprehensive list of construction projects in the pipeline. And just also because um, a large percentage is current creation, are you looking with the um, traffic um, committee to see if how many of those or what percentage of that percentage of cars passing through town? Yeah, so, so the data is uh, partly from MassDOT, which has essentially data that you can geofence, um, for lack of a better word. Um, so it shows the, the, the transit that goes, you know, crosses border from Milton and then out of Milton. So it, it already calculates and shows that cut through traffic. Um, I don't know yet or if they will be doing a breakdown of what is from outside of Milton through Milton um, out of it or what is strictly internal, but um, that is part of the MassDOT data that we were um, explicit in gathering. Um, so yes, but we haven't met with the traffic commission on that. I'm, yeah, I'm sure that will be an important part of your role on this committee. This is excellent feedback. Um, so we look forward to hearing from you when you have um, that inventory sort of more ready but more detailed to present, but as you are hearing, it sounds like um, there's a lot of good input on different connections that we can make, different data that we 
you know, want to make sure it's accounted for. So thank you everybody for the feedback. Um, okay, so we're going to go on to the next item now, and I'm going to make this very brief as well. Uh, but if you could pull up the presentation back um, relating the this committee's charge to the state's climate goals, that would be helpful. Is that the introduction to Milton's climate efforts? Um, it's this one. Okay. Uh, I don't think it's called the effort is called relating state 2030 and 2050 goals to Milton Cap. Well, I'm not seeing that. Is that in the shared? Um, I sent it out by email. I don't think I put it in the shared directory. Um, and while you pull it up, I can just kind of start talking about it a little bit um, because there's you know not a lot of visuals here. Um, but what I wanted to do just to ground our conversations as we start to think about what we're going to do as a committee and how we're going to work together is to talk to you a little bit about what our charge is, which we mentioned last time, and then how that charge relates to the state climate goals, um, because we're working within a broader context of what the state of Massachusetts is trying to do. And I think um, we're, you know, our work will be supporting the state efforts. So um, just as a reminder, our, our primary charge has four elements um, to review and evaluate um, bylaws, regulations, policies, and make recommendations for strategy related to climate change and paraphrasing. But um, so we talked about this last time and we talked about how this task really will be part of the overall um, climate action planning that we'll do. The second element of the charge is to solicit public input from experts, stakeholders, and residents, and that's a key element of what we'll be doing throughout this process. The third thing is to prepare a climate action plan. So that's something that's, I think we're going to be spending a lot of our time thinking about how to create and actually creating a climate action plan. And then the fourth thing is to measure implementation and progress on the strategies within the climate action plan. So are there any questions about that overall charge? Okay, um, so if you go to the, the next stage, it's slide three. Um, and I'll just touch on this very quickly. Um, this, this mentions what should be included in that climate action plan. I won't go through all of this, but we want to focus on the next decade. We're going to look at overcoming barriers. Um, we're going to make recommendations. We're going to account for environmental justice and protecting environmental justice populations. We're going to make recommendations for implementing the plan. We're going to make recommendations on how to involve stakeholders and tracking and reporting on progress. So this is in the charge itself, telling us what the, the climate action plan should include. Um, and I think this is helpful guidance from the select board um, as we think about starting to create this plan. Should this be um, anything about um you know, prevention and preservation. We are going to get to that later in the agenda. Um, that was not in, I mean, this is what the charge says, so it's not really up to us to edit it, but I think as we interpret it, um, we can talk about prevention, we can talk about adaptation, we can talk about sort of the scope of the plan overall. I think it makes sense to include that as a broad umbrella of climate action goals. Most, most of these plans have a legally adaptation setting so then let's focus on. I was just going to suggest that if it's possible, it's just that um, other fatiguing planning processes, it might be great to consider having 
a provision for the reformulation of the plan mm -hmm. so that it is seen as something that has been stopped, but rather is organic. Mm -hmm. a, a reformulation of the plan or of the charge? It could be both. The charges should be um, updated as time passes. Mm -hmm. The changes are made, the conditions are altered in the general uh, environment. Yeah. Certainly for the plan so that nobody thinks it's done and dead. Yes, absolutely. Um, that's a great point. And I think it gets to the idea, too, that this is a long-term process. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Like, we're, we're going to be at this for years. Maybe not all of us in this room, but it's yeah. not going to be at this for a long time, and we're going to have to adapt. Generations. Yeah, that's right. So we're going to have to adapt and keep changing and learning and growing and see as we work on this. So if you go to the next slide, um, this is the Massachusetts State Climate Goals. and um, these goals have been documented in, in detailed plans. I won't go through all of them, but suffice to say by 2030, the state's goal is to achieve 50% reduction in our greenhouse gas emissions compared to 1990 levels. By 2040, we're trying to achieve 75% emission reduction. By 2050, 85% emission reductions, equivalent to net zero when you account for the, um, the carbon sequestered by natural carbon lakes. These are very aggressive goals. They're also what we need to meet to try to avoid the worst um, impacts of climate change. Um, also in the state goals are ensuring a just energy transition. It is very much baked into what the state is trying to do to make sure that as we transition to, uh, uh, to more sustainable um, energy and uh, more sustainable economy, that we're also benefiting all residents and that we're supporting um, individuals and families with modest incomes and those located in environmental justice communities that have history of environmental impact. So we really need to think about that equity issue baked into um, how we're thinking about how we meet these five goals, and that's set up by the state. So if you can go to the next slide. This just provides a visual from 1990 to 2030 um, of what up to, you know, up to currently what our emissions have been and then projected out of the goals to 2030. So you can see we've, we've come up a long ways from 1990 and we have a long ways to go. And those little triangles are what the emission limits are. So we're we're on a path where we need to meet a steep decline in order to meet our goals. Um, so that just provides a little, a little context. Um, we've made progress. We have a lot more to get. Is it the kind of we say that? No, no. Is it, yeah. is it the date? The data Massachusetts. It's right um, out of the climate um, climate plan for 2030. And how does it look in that? That's a great question. I don't have that data. Um, maybe when we get the uh, emissions inventory, we can kind of see a parallel um, structure so we can kind of see how our trends fit. Um, but if we're having emissions increases, if we just turn back in the wrong direction, so we have that. Uh, just a quick question. That middle um, diamond, is that 2025? Uh, I okay. believe so, yes. Yeah. And then if you can switch to the next slide. So as I, this is my interpretation now. Um, everything else has been straight out of the things. But um, as I think about it, we met our goals as a state for 2020, but we need to do a lot more to meet our goals for 2030. Um, so, and the state plan is focused on four sectors, transportation, heating and buildings, electric power emissions, and industrial and natural resources. 
we're not going to be able to address all of those at the time, Milton, right? We don't have control over all of that. But there are some things that we can do. Um, municipalities don't, as I understand it, don't have required emissions targets as part of the state plan, but there are definitely things that towns can do to influence environments towards needing people. Um, so that our work is within that context. And then if you switch to the next slide, this is straight out of the plan as well. I looked for examples in the plan of where the state talks about working with municipalities. So see here are some, some of the examples that they're thinking about. So for transportation, you know, for example, we could allow more building and housing near transit. We could help increase walking and biking and you know, encourage people to get out of their cars. Um, we could adopt the state's specialized energy um, building code that specialized opt-in energy building code that supports um, efficiency and decarbonization. We can support land conservation and protect um, our natural land. So these are examples that the state is thinking about how they want to work with municipalities. It's up to us to determine what makes sense for Milton and, uh, and what we're going to do. That's really all I wanted to cover. Are there any questions about that? Yeah. Um, I was wondering where we put uh, for Milton the impact on our infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, such as stormwater, would be stormwater demands, or that's what we have, like trying capacity, what capacity will be in future, public health issues. Um, under that category, one would be storage in the face of um, yeah. increased impact on climate change, transportation, uh, flooding, for example, Granite Avenue, as the estuary of River changes in its impact. Beyond that, onto Route uh, 93 going into Boston, you probably have these in mind as well. Well, so what I can so describe Yeah, no, that's great. And that kind of, and, and you mentioned this today, I think this kind of gets ahead to one of the things I wanted to just talk about, which is the scope of our plan. So I think what you're describing, and I'm hearing it correctly, is all the ways that climate change will impact us, right? Very important. And how we prepare for that. And how we prepare for it, how we adapt to it, how we make sure that we're going to be safe in that context. These, these climate change goals that I was just talking about are talking about mitigation, how we reduce our emissions to try to stop from getting into the problem. We can potentially talk about both. But mitigation and adaptation and resilience in our um, climate action plan. So let's get to that, but I think that's a, a key question we want to talk about when we talk about scope is, um, do we want to encompass all of those things? So yeah, let's come back to that. Is there anything else about the state goals? Okay. Um, so I want to spend some time now, and I think we'll probably want to come back to this more, but um, talking a little bit about what climate action plans other towns have developed. And I don't know if folks have had a chance to look at any examples. We um, have pulled together examples from quite a few different towns that have gone before us and have gone through this process of developing climate action plans. And they're all a little bit different. Um, and as we start to think about what kind of plan we want to develop, um, it's maybe useful to look at some of those examples and think about what it would be like. What do we think would be worth adopting? What do we think was not helpful, if anything, in some of those other plans? Are there things that we think are missing? And as we get into this, um, you know, we don't have time to discuss all of the different plans and all of the different aspects. But I'm curious, and I think it might be helpful for our kind of getting our brains going um, and starting to think about this task. 
to just sort of highlight some of the things, if anything, jumped out at you as you looked at any of those things. So I'd like to take about 10 minutes now, if, if, if we have 10 minutes worth of discussion, and just kind of see um, what feedback or our thoughts people have to say, looked at any other plans from other towns. So I think that so um as for my questions. Um I'm more focused on the natural landscape. Mm -hmm. Um I think um prevention is the key. And um the UN has declared this decade as um, the decade of frustration, and their number one goal or advice is to prevent. So it's easier to prevent than it is to restore. So I don't want any of you watch Chronicle uh, last night or the night before, but they did a whole um, show about um, you know nature-based solution and um, and saving our forests and our um, and our open spaces and our agricultural land. And um, so that's what I kind of would like to see our plan sort of start with. Um, and if you go on to, um, you know, Mass Audubon, so it, uh, Chronicle is big highlighted Mass Audubon. So I went on their website and, um, and got their, all their information and they talked about how um, they support new forest as climate solution in, um, as part of the initiative for climate solution. So, in, uh, you know, the governor announced that forest is climate solution. Um, it's an initiative to slow the forest block and drive Massachusetts towards conserving 40% of natural land by 2050. So that's what I would kind of like to see this plan um, focus on is um, Preservation. Did you remove the percentage? Um, Forty percent to drive Massachusetts towards conserving forty percent of natural land by twenty fifty. This ends up putting it under conservation status, or um, not even necessarily designating it as conservation and in the under the control and custody of the conservation commission. Um, but that is helpful. But it's also um, creating. Um, you know, setbacks for people um, that we have side setbacks for when they're building, people are building, maybe we need to have set side or back setbacks for keeping green space. So we have a bylaw to part of the charges of viewing our bylaws. We have a bylaw not to pave a certain percentage of our um, bonds, um yards, but maybe we need to look at backyards and side yards. And so encouraging more natural landscaping and the developed parcels that we do have in addition to conserving. Yeah, and instead of and I mentioned making our you mentioned a giant thing, narrowing our roads. Um, so even in some of our bylaws um, in subdivision, that they required such large roads. So we need to narrow them or put in um, more natural uh, landscapes or more people come to the building department. Again, I don't know how crazy you want to get um, unless, you know, people's property or their properties. But if you look at like, well, the lovely tree bylaw, um, 
if a homeowner wants to take down a tree of a certain caliber size, they have to let the town know because that tree, even though it's on your personal property, it's affecting your neighbor and um, the community as a whole. Um, so, especially on our larger trees. And again, I don't know if there's the, the cost associated with taking it down. Um, that's a little cheeky. So that's what I kind of would like to focus um, on. Excellent. That's great. What else do people think about? Well, I thought that um, the chain of the plan, um, which was in the year list, but I just Googled it. Um, and a lot of their recommendations were about, you know, encouraging people and educating people on, and, you know, those things are important. But I feel like those are things that have been happening and are ongoing in most communities. And so I kind of wonder, like, how do we go above that? And I mean, I know we're making recommendations, you know, to a lot of other committees that then need to maybe make changes in rules and zoning and planning and like. And, and then I don't know if we, if there's any teeth to what we recommend or, you know, how all of that works, but. I guess I, I would be interested in looking at, you know, both. What can we do to reduce emissions, but also making sure we have the data to understand how various climate impacts could, you know, affect the town. You know, we see what happened in Vermont. You know, eight inches of rain in two hours. Like, what would that look like in in Melton? You know, or the reverse. There's a drought, and right, we want to preserve our forest, you know, our beautiful blue hills, but now we're on fire. <laughs> and then the next year we have a, a you know severe rain event and now we have mudslides or you know all the things we see, like what would it look like here and, and getting an inventory for that. I think that piece would be really helpful in that encouraging because people are seeing some of these changes other other places, you know, in the news and what would those events look like here? I happened across a really interesting data source of that kind just over the last week in the media coverage of the floods in Vermont. So risk, risk factor I think we looked at it together once too. But I mean, I think there there is several, and they're more emerging as more people um, basically you know, trying to develop products that sell mostly to like insurance companies. Um, but many of them are available publicly as well. So that would absolutely be cool. I look at. I think as we think about uh, reducing emissions 75% uh, from 1990, um, one of the things that we have to think about in the traffic se sector are they uh, the roads and tires? Because most of the particles that are generated today from today's vehicles are really coming from the road and the tires. They're not coming from the tailpipe anymore. Uh, greenhouse gases uh, uh, are an issue, but as far as emissions and particles, 
the real problem is uh, where the rubber hits the road. And we really need to think about that from both the town perspective of uh, are we using the best possible road construction and road materials? And uh, even if we switch to electric cars, we still have, they still run on tires. And how do we uh, reduce those emissions? Because when you really come down to it, uh, all particle, almost all particle emissions from vehicles now are really coming from tires and road rather than much more uh, than tailpipe. Uh, and so I think this is something that we can uh, think about and affect from a local perspective, not necessarily changing tires, but really considering the roads and are our, our, our roads uh, of the best materials to reduce those emissions. And just to clarify, is that concern about climate change? That are the particles contributing to climate change, or is it a health concern? Oh, uh, well, well, for sure. Okay. Yeah, uh, we, we tend to think about greenhouse gases more, but uh, particles certainly play a role in that. Uh, particles that uh, are both primary and and secondary particles, and a lot of those secondary particles are catalyzed. Their formation is catalyzed by road dust. Thank you. That's great. What about anybody else who hasn't spoken yet? Any particular things you want to see or not see, or suggestions for our plan? Yeah. I had one suggestion, and that is that um, we might look at what it is that foundation plants are uh, having as criteria in this area. Um, many years ago, I worked with the Geraldine Rockefeller Arts Foundation, uh, which had a key focus on the environment, and out of that, uh, we developed uh, the AP Environmental Science Course mm -hmm. examination. So foundations set criteria and they see whether or not you can get it with them or if you can extrapolate something from the criteria. And same with uh, uh, criteria that might be used by states beyond Massachusetts as well as in Massachusetts. Thank you. It's great. Thank you, Um I think there's a lot of great specific action items across all these plans for us to chew on and consider for I think one of, one of the concerns I have reading many of them, uh, one that I think there, there tends to be a, a sort of focus on the emissions mitigation side of the equation primarily, which not that that's not important, but that I think given all the things you've heard, it, it's very much a yet and problem. We have to reduce emissions, but we, uh, I think it would be silly to expect that we can do just that and not have to adapt or mitigate over the next decades. Uh, and, and then there's the question of how do you actually produce a plan that won't just sit on a shelf? And I think if I have a 
a main criticism of a lot of these fences that it's overflowing of action items and they make sense working backwards from these goals, but it's hard to imagine how like a real town section of the cars is sort of going to be your comment or a lot of them are kind of aspirational. We're going to educate. How do you connect education to the, the curves that they're going down? Okay. Um, so I think it's important for us to consider the strategy of like what can we really control from the town? What can we facilitate? That's mm -hmm. part of the role is a lot of this is about private behavior uh, and learn anything in the last five years you can't mandate cultural change right so how do you how do you uh, influence cultural change around these things without being at the end of everything thanks is there anyone on um the zoom who who hasn't gotten a chance to speak to this um, who's on the committee i'm thinking oh, we, we did have um ron ron yeah he was did he step up? Okay. I don't see him anymore. Any other comment on, on this? This is only the very scratching the surface. We obviously have a lot of um, considering and thinking to do about what belongs in our plan and how to structure it. But I love hearing the diverse ideas here. I mean, I just think we've got a lot of great perspectives, and, um, and I know that we'll dig into it more as we go on. Um, all right, so the two other things that I want to talk about before we get to public comments. Um, one is the scope and priorities of the CAP, and we've already started talking about this a little bit, but I just wanted to kind of think about together how do we draw the boundaries around this plan and what's at a high level, what's included. So, you know, some of the things that I was thinking about are do we consider climate change mitigation and adaptation? And I've heard in this conversation, it sounds like we really are engaged in both issues. Both are really important. Um, you know, do we focus on what's under the control of or influenced by the town? Do we look beyond that? This is kind of getting to your point, Alice. Um, do we focus, you know, how do we prioritize? Do we focus on the highest sources of emissions? Do we focus on high impact on the residents? You know, where, where do we put our our emphasis, um, given that this is an enormous problem. And there's maybe other um, sort of decisions, high level scoping decisions that we want to think about. So I just wanted to lay this out here and see if anyone has thoughts as you start to think about what belongs in a plan for Milton and if we have scoping perspectives. I wanted to say you start. Are spoken on my town buildings because um, I think it would be hard to get buying from residents in the community and most of the town didn't actually, you know, reach. I think we definitely have to admit that their, their behavior changes from private residents that the state plan assumes need to happen. But not the town, nobody can force people to do these things, right? So I think there is, I think there's a role for us to play um, as the town in facilitating uh, things like weatherization, um, heat on solar panels, uh, making sure that at, at the town we're at least not 
creating obstacles where there need to be obstacles. Um, I think there's also a lot of money uh, flowing flowing in for Milton residents to take advantage of through the state and federal programs and the town could play a role in making making sure that people are accessing uh, those incentives efficiently for you know, where where people are eligible for them and they're getting them. Um, I think that'd be huge, but I wouldn't have any idea where to start looking. Yeah, and that's something that we have tried to do uh, at Sustainable Milton, and we're still learning. <laughs> we messed up on our website, but how do you get that so that people skip? Right. <clears throat> well, I noticed the town of has a new website today. We're working to develop a dedicated resilience and sustainability page for the town website. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Yeah, because right now it's sort of split between different departments um, in their own section on the website. Yeah. So. so in that vein, um, I think part of the plan needs to be outreach strategy. Uh, because I, I definitely learned from direct experience, you can you can do all the research and put a bunch of stuff up on your website. And uh, I've learned a lot in the last six months about things like Google Analytics, and you know I know exactly how many people have visited Sustainable Milton's three hundred page, like eighteen people in the last month. So there's there's some learning. Um, hopefully, we can find folks in the community who have some expertise around how do you get that information in the front of people when they're interested in doing it, that it's relevant. I think Josh and I could both say that that would really help us in our roles. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I would say a lot of these measures, like mass aid, I mean, everyone in their electric bill gets a little higher and every year. You can have an energy audit on your house and get you know, free light bulbs and, and all kinds of rebates if you're going to upgrade an appliance or um, I think get like no interest loans or, or something with insulation and the like. So, um, I mean, that's a tremendous resource that everyone in the state pays for or everyone, you know, the utility pays a little monthly fee for that. So, and it's free. <laughs> like, that's a great resource. Um, so I think I need to take this opportunity to do a public plug from all the thousands of people watching. SustainableMilton.org um, has a big take action button in the top right hand corner. And we have um, sort of 15 climate positive actions there. And there are things like doing a mass safe energy audit or getting solar on your roof, installing heat pumps. And what we've tried to do is give sort of Milton specific information about the steps to take and what incentives are available. Um, so we, we have compiled a lot of information of that nature to supplement, obviously, every single one of these programs has its own website then. Right. Um, so I think the problem is, and I certainly experienced this when I got interested in this stuff, but it's totally overwhelming. And some people want to peek out on it for years, and some people, most people don't. So. And we have a lot of old promises that are particularly, I mean, my house wasn't insulated when <laughs> I moved in. So um, mine was insulated in the front 
Okay, so just to bring us back then to the scoping, I think what I'm hearing is we need to consider both climate change adaptation and mitigation, both and. Um, in terms of what's under the control or influenced by the town, we need to start with a good example of what the town's doing, and we need to facilitate and help individuals take actions and help them know what incentives and programs and offers are available. Um, I haven't heard anything about prioritizing in terms of emissions or impact. I'm kind of assuming we start with the highest priority, um, like what are the greatest emissions and our emissions inventory is going to be helpful there. And as we're thinking about adaptation, we're going to think most about the things that have the greatest potential impact. Um, but uh, I think that goes without saying. One factor along with feasibility and complexity. Mm -hmm. Maybe mm -hmm. simple things that we can do. Uh, like Milnari has the electricity aggregation program. Very simple action for residents to take a sign up for the electricity. Electricity is only 19% of statewide emissions. It's not a very tough, but there's like an easy, yeah. cheap action there. Whereas, fixing um, our telehealth emissions can be a bit complicated. Yeah. We, we're going to have to focus on it, but I think it's in the beginning of the well, One thing about priorities is that <clears throat> yes, they have to be prioritized themselves. Sometimes it's um, what contextualizes in them. Mm -hmm. Two ways. One is what's having a definition, state definition, we can Second is having them on a timeline mm -hmm. so that everybody does the thing, everything has to be done at once. Because that's enough. Yeah. So we can actually give a pictorial uh, perspective for consumers as to what the priorities are and then how they fit in timelines mm -hmm. or in a time timeline. That's all for us. So I just want to, I was thinking about Josh, I think you mentioned last time that was it 80% of our residents signed up or start taking part in the education? Uh, that's not quite correct, Maggie. Uh, it's about uh, two thirds, about 60%, not 80. And can you tell on that um, how many people actually signed up or versus how many people did not? opt-out. So, um, in the data we've received, and, and Alex, you can corroborate this because you've also taken a look at it. It's also, I think, in your all, all of your shared folder. I don't believe they um, discriminated in that way and, and broke it down in terms of opt-in versus not opt-out. So we know how many people are participating in the Milton Green, Milton Basic, and Milton Green 100. Um, if people were five, they opted in, they landed that Milton Green default. And that's the vast majority. Uh, you can assume that um, the households that are in Basic or Green 100, they have explosive choices. So. Great. Well, I think this is a really good um, sort of distinction of priorities and, and helpful suggestions on how we weigh these priorities against each other because they're not always going to be in perfect alignment. So, um, yeah, I think this will be a good touchstone for us to come back to. Um, with our last few minutes before public comment, I want to um, just point your attention to something that circulated at the post process for developing a climate action plan. And, and Jack, maybe you can put that up on the screen. 
Um, this is sort of a potential roadmap. It definitely doesn't need to look like this exactly what we do, but it's a way to sort of think about how do we start this enormous task of, of writing a climate action plan. And Alex put this together, which I really appreciate because I think it's a good way to kind of organize our thoughts a little bit. Um, do you want to walk us through this quickly? Sure. Yeah, so I mean, I think given the sheer number of potential action items that might be in a plan, uh, and you know, there are many of them are very complex and people are going to have different feelings about them. I think it would be important to have a kind of explicit brainstorming, uh, all of your ideation phase where we're sort of inclusively um, collecting an inventory, like what's the high level structure? What are the areas where we may need to do things and then collect potential action items? <clears throat> In all those areas. Um, so that would be sort of first starting with an outline where they come in from the top down, what are kind of the big areas that should be in our plan? We've already talked side about transportation, electricity, energy, um, building emissions as being like big areas, weight management. These, these are sections in most climate action plans. And then there's kind of part two, which is around. Um, adaptation, mitigation, conservation, uh, and and then strategy, right? So that could be like the three part outline coming from the top down, and then filling in uh, with detailed potential action items. I think would be the next phase where we're not looking, we're not saying that if we bring something into the discussion at that phase that we all think it's a good idea or that it's even possible, but like. Taking an, an inclusive um, approach to building up a candidate list, then prioritizing that based on our judgment. Right, so we we're not going to probably have time to do real due diligence on all the ideas that we'll encounter during that phase. So we'll, we'll have to actually prioritize our 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 due diligence efforts is part of what we need to do if, if we're really going to say, hey, this complex thing needs to be in our climate action plan. We need to bring in experts. We need to you know, solicit the public feedback, find out how actually doing these things might impact health residents, either positively or negatively. That's something that's going to take time. Uh, so I think we need a first path prioritization of which you know, potential action items, elements of the plan, we're even going to do that for. Uh, and then I think the final plan comes out of that. And after we've been through that due diligence phase, um, for our sort of top prioritized uh, potential action items, then, then we have gathered enough information to actually prioritize that. Right, the final prioritization, write the plan. Um, and, Whatever it means by like bringing back to the select board. And, um, I, I would think that having a curve at town meeting is not something that will ultimately happen. There will be things in the plan that would require town meeting approval eventually to actually happen, and that would be part of executing the plan. Uh, anyway, so hopefully that was. Uh, I kind of close to it. That's pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of what we need to do requires you know, research and discussion and, and talking to each other and being new to the, the game laws. Are things like 
are those like discussions? You know, if I'm emailing a group of us that just say, like, I found this cool course of information and it's not a policy, but it's just to help us in our research, how does that work? <laughs> I'd answer that in the meeting law, but my understanding is that we can't be engaged in debate um, when we're not in a public forum. Um, so we're not sure about just sharing information, but I think we we probably want to think about in a structured way how to, um, this is going to be a lot of work and sort of how do we break that up? How do we manage that? How do we make sure that we're we're sharing that um, in appropriate structures? And what you can do is you send staff. So if you did find something that was interesting, you send it to staff, town staff, and then they will distribute it to us. So we don't have to have a conversation back, um, but you can send them the bill. So you sort of get things loaded at the shirt line yes. and have the town staff do the load. So that kind of and then you can talk. How many members are we have now? Or nine. So we can talk to um, four people. Yeah. A rhetorical question, and then a non rhetorical question. Rhetorical question Will this community need budget for work that? It will be undertaken in a period of time. Non rhetorical is there will be town budget implications from the recommendations of the committee. And how do we put that up front into the planning process and uh, work with town administrators to prepare for the appropriate times that they will go to the warrant committee and, and then? Where appropriate, so I might need not need to go to town meeting, so I need to go to town meeting. But that's good. Financial underpinning of this would be very important. I think that would be less abstract of a question once we have that kind of candidate list. And then you could say, hey, candidate action item 17C would actually have a significant budget impact on content business. You know, an advertising campaign led by sustainable homes that might be zero impact. And that makes a lot of sense. But would you not think also would it make sense to let people know early on that there are going to be budgetary requests yeah. so that we get into the planning and budgeting queue and don't, after the fact, find out we have to wait 18 months yeah. before we get submitted budget when we would like work to be done 12 months before So we'll definitely need your input on that. The, the, the town budgeting process is complete mystery to me. Oh, there's some excellent people with them. I think it will be important that uh, for recommendations where uh, we know that, uh, for example, there's either federal, state, or uh, private funding available in the form of grants and so forth, that we identify those and point that out in, as part of our plan that uh, this can be implemented uh, through this funding mechanism. 
And I think that would be an important part of what we do uh, in addition to making the recommendations. And, and related to that is the fact that it's not uncommon for there to be joint funding requirements exactly. in different percentages depending upon what the project is or the granting party is. And it's not uncommon among towns that have developed a climate action plan to actually hire a climate and environmental coordinator who's a big part of whose role is to apply for that kind of funding. We, we talked to a couple in our initial research process who was un, unusual for a, a climate coordinator not to bring in more money grants than they draw in salaries. So it's definitely something to consider. Which raises the question as to whether or not that has to be done only by an individual town or possibly on a collaborative basis whereby three or four towns are such uh, a capacity and then tie into whether or not the county as um, resources at that level mm -hmm. that we could tie into as well. And then also if there's um, you know a piece of property in town that we want to preserve and if it has one of open space and trees you can apply to the CPC, the community preservation committee, um let's say for this year, then next year. Um, we could put in a uh, an application for uh, preservation. This seems like a really rich topic of discussion. So I am going to suggest that we think this up again because I'm really glad you brought it up. I think it does need to be an integral part of our plan and our early thinking about the plan because there is such long lead times for some of these funding and budgeting considerations. So I'm going to suggest that we pick this up again next time, if that sounds good. Um, and I'd also like to suggest that people continue to think about this process for developing a plan because I'm hoping that at our next meeting, we might actually come to agreement on what our process is going to be. This is just one possibility. Um, we might want to modify it, add to it, you know, have something entirely different. Um, so I would encourage you to, to think about that and, um, and come ready to discuss it next time. Um, because I think once we develop that, it, it will become our work plan and then that will organize our work and help us kind of plan for how we're going to get, you know, from point A to point B. So with that, we are at 724, and I want to make sure that we um, allow time for public comments. I do think we've had a few members of the public who were um, on Zoom, so let's just check and see if there are any public comments. I see no hands raised. Well, with that, uh, I think we can adjourn the meeting. Yes, I'm there. All right, all in favor? All right. Thank you so much. It's been really great to uh, have this conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you.